Welcome to By the Ghost Slate, where we tell you about the Broadway news and why it matters to your little, tiny, quaint, roadside shack of a theater in Podunkville, Ohio. Hi, I'm Ryan. And I'm Cassie. And Cassie, did you know this revival on Broadway has just come out of nowhere, this announcement, because I didn't think we would get a revival of this uh, so quickly, so suddenly. There's no other way for me to explain that there are Nazis on Broadway than saying there is a revival of the producers happening. That's the only way, right? You would think so, Ryan. I don't I don't know how else there would be Nazis on Broadway. But we live in a broken society. So there's Nazis on so Broadway. So there's Nazis on Broadway. Protesting on Broadway, let's be clear. Yeah, let's be very clear about this. So Parade uh, had its first previews. It transferred off-Broadway to on-Broadway. It will have previews, and then it opens, I believe, March 15th or 16th, something like that. And the first preview performance was protested by neo-Nazis outside the theater, which is not a sentence I thought I was going to say this week. Yeah. So if you're not familiar with Parade, the musical, it is a based on true life events of a man named Leo Frank, who was a Jewish man in the early 1900s, possibly late 1800s. I'm not 100% sure on the time frame. Who was the superintendent at a pencil factory and one of his female workers who was 14 was found murdered at the bottom of an elevator shaft in his building and anti-semitism at the time led people to accuse him and he went through a very very aggressive and unfair trial where witnesses were clearly paid off to speak out against him and told what to say and um, he was found guilty and sentenced to death. But through the efforts of his wife, Lucille, who petitioned judges and the governor and, you know, revealed all of these inconsistencies with the trial, she got him a commuted sentence, basically. Mm-hmm. And then the townsfolk were so upset at the commuted sentence that they broke into the jail and kidnapped Leo Frank and lynched him. This is an incredibly powerful show. Mm-hmm. It is heart-wrenching. Yep. It is stark. And it is important because anti-Semitism is on the rise again. Clearly. Clearly. By all accounts, the show is very good. Uh, and Ben Platt is very, very good. Uh, we have a quote from Ben, uh, and then Jason Robert Brown, the composer writer of the show, also put a letter out uh, on the internet in the last couple of days. Um, so, just reading out from this article here uh, for some context. Um, Members of the hate group, the National Socialist Movement, gathered on 45th Street, carrying handwritten signs and handing out flyers proclaiming that the show's protagonist, Leo Frank, was a pedophile. Uh, on Instagram, Platt. Ben Platt talked about the day's events. Um, he talks about getting off stage at the end uh, or whenever he can finally leave the stage because Ben Platt doesn't leave the stage. Yes. Like even through intermission. He did not know what was happening. Yeah. It says, for those who don't know, there were some neo-Nazi protesters 
outside of the theater bothering our patrons and saying some very anti-Semitic things about Leo, about what the show is. And he was just really encouraging people to look up the story and to understand the show and understand why the show mattered. Um, and says, It was definitely very ugly and scary, but a wonderful reminder of why we're telling this particular story and how special and powerful art and particularly theater can be. And it just made me feel extra, extra grateful to be the one who gets to tell this particular story and to carry on this legacy of Leo. If there's any doubt out there about the urgency of telling this story in this moment in history, the vileness on display tonight should put it to rest. So theater still matters. Yeah. Art still matters. And I think this is a perfect example of how the reality that that trying to to tear things like this down just makes them stronger because mm-hmm. you know those protesters they want people to be like oh you're right oh you're right we we should scrap this show how could we not have seen the truth that you're bringing to us right and instead it's hardened this resolve of like no this is why this story is important to tell and part of Jason Robert Brown's statement that uh, resonates with me the most was he said, I have always suspected that Leo Frank was a difficult man to like. He was no hero. He was no martyr. But one of the things Parade says is that you don't have to praise or admire Leo Frank to see that he was the victim of a gross miscarriage of justice fueled by rage and fear and anti-Semitic hysteria. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Jason Robert Brown wrote this whole letter and put it out. Um, you can find it on Broadway World. That's where I'm looking at it. Um, um, and it's it's worth a whole read. It's it's kind of lengthy. Um, the thing that stood out to me from it the most was uh, he, him talking uh, about a conversation he had with their producer. He says, before we opened at City Center last fall, our producer... Jenny Gersten called uh, me, Jason, to ask whether there had been a history of threats against the show. I didn't need to ask why she was calling. I took a deep breath. Ah, that's where we are now. I feel terrible that audience members who are waiting in line to see our show on Broadway may be accosted by neo-Nazis. I can't believe I'm writing that sentence. I love this so much. But I'll tell you the truth. I'm glad the assholes showed up. I'm glad they feel threatened enough to emerge into the light and show their faces. I suspect they don't particularly know or care about this case. They just want out to yell out, they just want to yell out the words Jew and pedophile. There's plenty of research, much more than there was when we started the show about this case. Um, and he goes on to detail some yeah. of that um, at length. But man, uh, just for the record, uh, not Jewish over here can't understand not Jewish this completely no how do we transition out of this I don't know um so in a year plus when we're talking about next year's Tonys we're gonna have to dedicate an entire episode to debating the merits of Tony Award for best actor leading actor in a musical and whether it goes to Ben Platt or Josh Groban yeah I don't know how to pick that. <laughs> Having seen neither performance, we'll have to get Kelly on because Kelly, I know, there has plans 
to go to New York over spring break and she is going to see Parade and she is going to see Sweeney Todd. That sounds like an amazing couple of days. Right? Doesn't that sound phenomenal? Kelly, do you have room in your suitcase? (laughs) Seriously, take me with you. But yeah, so there there are also some more positive heartening things happening on Broadway. And I will say that the way that the the cast and the showrunners are handling this situation is heartening to me that they mm-hmm. are not backing down and that they are using this platform to say we're sure. not going yeah. away, we're going to continue to have this voice and tell this story because it's important. And I think you're right. This is a really good indication of why theater is important and why telling these stories from so long ago is important because there is still resonance there. There is still um, relevance there. Talking about stories um, coming back, have you seen the photos of the Secret Garden? (gasps) No. There are photos for Secret Garden? Actually, you know what? I have... I see one. I, I see one in particular. So uh, the Secret Garden musical is near and dear to Cassie's heart, I which so everyone much. listening knows because uh, you've all listened to all of our episodes. Um, and we've talked about it at length. Um, but there is a version of Secret Garden uh, going on in Los Angeles with the eventual plan of moving it to Broadway. Yes. Starring Sierra Bogges and Warren Carlyle, and they want to welcome you back to the garden. They do talk about uh, how they have added Lily to a lot more of the show. Like I saw the set design concept. Is that what you're talking about or is there more? There is a photo of, uh, I don't even know what part of the show this is. I'm just going to hold up my computer. Please. You can look at it. Oh, I love it so much. I think it's the only photo. I can't even describe what that is or when that is in the show, but I oh, want that's this very bad. Phenomenal. Badly. Oh, it's so good. It's time for a Secret Garden revival. I love this yep, show so deeply. Los Angeles is getting a Secret Garden revival. It'll go to Broadway eventually, sounds like. And uh, because it's, I don't know if they're putting Lily in more of the show because Lily needs to be in more of the show or if it's because they have Sierra playing Lily and they want to use her more. Um, Either is is accurate. I put Lily in a fair amount of my version just because she's a ghost and so you can have her kind of hanging out observing in the back of a lot of scenes and it makes sense. Sure. Um, well, all right, Chase, we're going to plan a trip now because there's now two reasons to go out to California. One is to see the Secret Garden in L.A. and the other is to go to um, Disneyland to see mm-hmm. Rogers the Musical at the Hyperion, because that's a thing that's happening. Hell yes. Rogers the Musical, yes. no longer just a bit from the first episode of Hawkeye. The single best thing Marvel's ever done. Yes. Concur. The Snap? No. No. Ant-Man? No. WandaVision? No. Tom Hiddleston? No. Chris Evans? Robert Downey Jr.? Everyone stand aside. Rogers the Musical. Rogers the Musical. So I have a two-parter here. Okay. Hit me. All right. All right. And they're the same show. Okay. Okay. Moulin Rouge. Yeah. Announces that Ashley Lauren will be leaving the show. Her final show as Satine on Broadway will be April the 9th. 
um, which is the same day that Aaron Tavit leaves as well. So the two of them will both be done on April 9th, and then they will move on. Uh, Ashley Lawrence uh, was the original alternate for Satine um, before COVID, and then everything happened. Uh, and then she uh, has been the full-time Satine since May 2022, I believe. Um, and she's also, when I saw it a year and a half ago, whenever that was, um, she's who I saw. Um, and she was phenomenal. There has been enough buzz in the fandom that people have wanted her to be able to put her own stamp on this role so much that they wanted to have her recordings or at least a couple of the songs like a whole new cast album but enough so we'll see if that ever sees the light of day or not but she is leaving the show we'll see what she does next she is very 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 good so who's going to broadway to be Satine in Moulin Rouge, Cassie. I do not know. Did you see this headline? I did not see this headline. Derek Klena will return to the role. Yes. Uh, because he's doing, um, what's he doing? Sunset Boulevard? Yeah. Is that what he's, he's doing? He's doing Sunset Boulevard right now. So he'll go back into the show as Christian. He'll be the full-time Christian. 14-week limited engagement to play Satine. Stunt casting? Maybe. I don't know. Is it Christy Altamere? No, it is not. Okay. That is a great guess, though. Do you have any other guesses? Is it Nicole Kidman? That would be amazing. I don't think she can do it anymore. Probably not. Probably not. It is not an easy role. No. There, you. Ha- it is very physical, and there's a lot of singing. Moulin Rouge the Musical will welcome platinum-selling singer, songwriter, and actress JoJo. Oh, JoJo Siwa. No. No. Not Jojo Siwa. Jojo, singer of um, It's Just Too Little Too Late. See, here's where you've made a fatal mistake, Ryan. Th- that you understood. Assuming that I yeah. have mm-hmm. enough yeah. pop culture knowledge to recognize a name like this. Here's the thing. She started out like 15 years ago. So I was kind of hoping... So, honestly, I only know who this is because Brittany knew who this was. Yeah. So, yeah. That's, that's the only fair. reason I know. No, you say JoJo and my head goes to JoJo Siwa, which would be an odd choice as well. It would also be an odd choice. So, we'll see how this goes, I guess. Moulin Rouge is such a vehicle, though, at this point. Like, mm-hmm. the show sells itself. Yeah. So, they don't, I don't think they really needed to do stunt casting. Not like Chicago, right? Right. So I'm interested to see how this goes. Um, But then they're very specific that it's a 14-week limited engagement. So someone else will come in after that who will probably then be the long-term Satine moving forward. I would say we should get Kelly on to talk about that because she's also seeing Moulin Rouge. But she's specifically seeing Aaron Tveit's last performance. That's amazing. I did not get to see Aaron when I went. He had COVID. That's unfortunate. It was not great. It was a weird week. It was really bad. You know what else is bad? Cinderella? Sure is. Okay, I have to settle this once and for all, Ryan. Because currently, my TikTok is exploding with people who think that they're the first person ever to point out that the melody of I am bad Cinderella is also... In my own little chair, I can be whatever I want to be. 
And people are like, he stole it from Richard Rogers. And then all these other people are like, no, it's an homage to Richard Rogers. And I'm like, y'all are both missing the point. They're all wrong. They're all wrong. Because, okay, it's not it's not stealing. It is very clearly an homage to Richard Rogers and Rogers and Hammerstein Cinderella and the iconic Cinderella song in my own little corner. What you should be upset about is the fact that the lyrics of this song are literally saying, I'm not like those other Cinderella's while she is literally singing the classic musical theater Cinderella song. Exactly like those other Cinderella's. Now, listen, there's a way to do this. Okay. There's a way to do this. Like if you start the song that way and then you morph it as it goes along, or maybe it's that melody, but it's in minor or inverted somehow. But Andrew Lloyd Webber didn't do any of that. No. He just sure snatched didn't. the melody and dropped it in and missed that irony. Yes, this is all over uh, theater TikTok right now, and it's all anybody cares about. It's delightful, but also, like, I only need to hear it three times, and it's been 12. Mm-hmm. The show has not opened yet. No, it's in previews. It is in previews. So all of this stuff's coming out because it was kept really under wraps because it kind of moved from the West End, but it really didn't. This is very different from the West End Cinderella, we think. And now this is all happening, but it's all still in previews and things can still change. Songs can come and go. A lot lot can change. So I'm reserving my harsh judgment until it opens. March 23rd. But not that song, Ryan. That's the song. That's maybe the they'll title put it in a song. minor. They, maybe, maybe it's they, a minor maybe, key. Maybe there will be. Maybe Andrew Lloyd Webber will hear our podcast episode. Yes. And go. Oh my gosh, these two are so right. Yes. I needs must adapt my writing to fit their expectations. Hey, Andrew. Hey, Andrew. You can come on the show and defend yourself anytime you want. Oh God. Yeah, I guess you can. <laughs> have to make nice with Andrew Lloyd Webber. Nope, you just have is that to talk what you're to getting him. Getting me into? Just have to talk to him. Okay, awesome. Just sit here. Impress me, Andy. Impress me. <laughs> oh boy. Um, I feel like I've said this sentence before, but it's so buck wild. I have to say it again. Broadway's Bad Cinderella is doing NFTs. Jesus Christ. Yeah, okay, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's a whole thing. It sounds complicated. I don't want to get into it, but it's there. NFTs are a scam. Sure are. Sure are. Don't buy are. into them. Don't do it. Huh. Don't get caught up. So, and this has been your theater news for the week. Cool. We don't know what's going on. There's a lot. There's a lot right now. And we haven't even touched on Sweeney Todd's coming soon. Those previews are coming. I love the advertising that they're doing Mm -hmm. on TikTok and Twitter. It's great. I'm on board. Cannot wait to hear and see more of it. It'll be great. But you know what else will be great, Cassie? What else will be great, Ryan? Your next season. My next season. That's right. Right. Because I got them right last time. Well, except oh no, I did. I did lie to you again, Cassie. I know. 
Cassie, you should why? really you should really be expecting it at this point. Cassie, why? I feel like Charlie Brown with the football. You know, there's validity in that. But no, it turns out it turns out that that the Peter Pan musical is a little too racist to get around. Both of them. Yes, and too many too many groups in the area have done She Kills Monsters recently, and it just started to feel you know derivative. Sure, sure. So yeah. we're going in a different direction. Okay. Okay, gotcha. But to, I just want to be clear, mm-hmm. those were the shows. Yeah, absolutely. And then they got changed. Yes. In the last that's, two weeks since we've spoken. That's 100% how this works. Yeah. Okay, great. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. Okay. I think that you've decided to personally victimize me at this point. Because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm feeling very put out by this whole thing. I, I really do feel like that's a decent assumption for you to make at this point, yes. I think you picked things that are just going to make me mad. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure your musical's Mamma Mia. Okay. Because I know you have a chorus of 12-year-olds who just love to sing ABBA. Listen, the children that I do have who would go absolutely feral if I said we were doing Mamma Mia... Actually, the children I have who would go feral if they found out I was doing Mamma Mia the year after they graduated. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? I'm willing to live on the edge in fear for my life. You got it. All right. Mamma Mia with children. That sounds great. Oh, yeah. 100%. 100%. I'm not going to teach them because that's Tim's job. But Tim's going to teach a chorus of 12-year-old boys to high kick and flippers. Perfect. And you get yep. to do the beach scene? Yeah. Yeah, all of it. I, I think we're going to go with real sand. That's just a choice. Pour it That's out a on the strong stage. choice. Yeah. Yeah. Just cover the stage in actual exactly. sand. Exactly. Yeah. It's not your theater. Exactly. We're renting yeah, it's it. Not your, yeah, it's not your problem. Yeah. 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 That's great. I'm looking forward to that. I will not be sitting in the front row for that. I don't want to get sand in my shoes. That's valid. So since you got around with the sensors, which we talked about last time, um, and we know that you're good at this and you know how to do this, I, I think then that you did figure out a way to get the okay to do puffs. Don't threaten me with a good time, Ryan. Listen. Listen. That sounds freaking amazing. And I'm very jealous that you get to do, do you puffs. Know how badly... But you are doing Puffs. Am I right? But I am am doing Puffs because I so desperately want to direct this show. Yeah. Nobody else was going to do it. So you said, screw it. We're doing it our way. There's a lot of adults in the area that really want to do this show. And you said, nope, we're saving this one for the children. This is for the children. This is for the children. And those are my guesses. Those are good guesses. I mean, listen, I will never forget the formative experience of inviting a group of junior high and high school students to my home back in, like, 2019 for what I was before calling... The, before the pandemic. For, before the pandemic. For um, what I was calling, you know, fun. New drama club idea. We're going to come to my house twice a month, and we're going to watch a show, and then we're going to read a show. And we're going to have a discussion about it. And I, I started with Puffs and the betrayal that those children felt at my hands when I showed them this happy, fun-loving, silly Harry Potter spoof play. Yep. 
that then takes a turn at the end. Sure does. Into absolutely heartbreaking territory. Sure does. The betrayal does. on their faces still fuels me, Ryan. I'm very jealous that you get to do puffs. I mm-hmm. would love to do puffs. Do you need one adult actor? Because I would like to volunteer. I can probably f- hmm. put one adult actor in there. But you will have to fight Chase in a parking lot. I feel pretty confident. He's got a weak spot. Yeah, he's got a, he's got a couple of weak spots. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, you and Chase will fight in a parking lot for the one adult role. Yep. I'll figure out which one it's going to be. Sounds good. Yeah, and that's uh, that's the HYT season, friends. Mamma Mia and Puffs. Unless we very Potter musical the Tom Riddle Voldemort role with me and Chase for Puffs. Perfect. That would totally work. 100%. No, no conflict there at all with nope. anything. Yep. Chase and I will figure it out. Beautiful. That'll be I great. I leave that. I leave that to you. Done and done. Beautiful. We'll, we'll see if Chase listens. But we did just get to see Chase on stage. Well, I got to see Chase on stage. You were also on stage with Chase because you guys got to be on stage together in Shakespeare. I know it hasn't happened for like twelve years. The last time we were on stage together was also the first time we were on stage together. Yeah. And it was about 12 years ago. It was in a production of Twelfth Night through Beautiful Kids Independent Shakespeare Company. Huzzah. Green. Huzzah. Um, may she rest in peace. And yeah, we were just in a production of The Tempest together. Um, it was part of the CTW Collective uh, production, which means it's their entirely student-led production. So it was directed and assistant directed and tech directed and and all of the production elements were done by students the only adults involved were actors and it was a Mm -hmm. really interesting experience to have as a theater educator it was fun to come see it like kind of knowing the backstory of it and knowing that you know it was entirely student done and you know there were a few adults in the cast obviously um but then also, they were directing their fellow students, uh, mm-hmm. which was which was cool to see, and um, it was just good to hear Shakespeare again. I enjoyed I enjoyed hearing Shakespeare again and hearing it in the Ohio Theater, and it was just felt really cool. Um, but I did absolutely most enjoy watching Amy Reed run around the stage like a lunatic in the role I didn't know that she was born to play. Oh yeah, no, that was phenomenal. So I, they'd been rehearsing this show since November. With, like, a, a decent-sized break for, you know, the winter holidays. Um, sure. But I did not join until about two weeks, two and a half weeks before it opened. You know, normal things. Yeah, because they had this one relatively small part left to fill, and they just hadn't been able to find someone to fill it after their original actor dropped out. And I had said to Chase and to our friend Pat earlier, I had said, if you get super desperate, and you absolutely need me to step in, I can, but please don't call on me unless it's like a last resort because I've got a lot going on. And I got like three weeks before the show, I was like, hey, Cassie, <laughs> we are desperate. Will you come be Alonzo? And I was like, how many lines does Alonzo have? And the answer was only like 40. So it, it was not. A I big believe deal. you spent more time staring off into space than you did speaking. <laughs> 
Oh my gosh, he's on stage so much while so many weird shenanigans happen around him. So many. And like we cut a lot as well. Mm-hmm. So like the first scene that we have him in, because we cut the entire like actual act one, scene one of the show from our production where they're actually on the ship getting wrecked. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first time we see him is on the beach and he's like looking for his son and his son's not there and he's sad about it. But the trio of goons that he's with are having this lengthy conversation where the two villains are making fun of, like, the old wise, you know, mentor figure who's slightly buffoonish. And, like, in our scene, the the teasing and the shenanigans and, like, all of this kind of stuff goes on for, like, two and a half pages and we cut half of it Mm -hmm. but there like i was still standing on stage for a solid like five or six minutes without a line there were a couple times i wondered if you were doing your very best to like take a nap with your eyes open when there was the one time i was taking a nap with my eyes closed too (laughs) um but like i'm the first time we actually ran the scene i'm standing there going okay what am i how do i what are my acting choices here? Like, how do I fill this incredibly long stretch of time mm-hmm. when I'm like literally blocked to be in front of them? Like, I'm I'm closest yeah. to the audience. Yeah. Sure, works. I can't just hide in the background. So it was a lot of like scanning the fictional sea, looking for my son, and then being sad and despondent, and then being angry that people were talking to me. But no, <laughs> it was it was a fun experience in a lot of ways. It was an interesting experience as well. Um, I don't get to act alongside my students very often, so that was really special. And I also do a student director program, but it's it's run very differently from CTWs. And so mm-hmm. it was interesting to see the differences between how we kind of approach that program. Although HYT doesn't do a fully like a full production with student leadership, it's like one X. That sure. That's get directed much more by students, yeah. which yeah, it's it's easier to handle. Yeah. And then you can have more people in the leadership roles and things like that. Yeah, but it was I I miss doing Shakespeare. I like doing Shakespeare. I like doing Shakespeare with Pat and Amy. Right. And and it's oh, just it's fun. Gosh. It was fun it was to get back so on stage and play. Fun to watch just these gr- this group of people that I've done and seen so much Shakespeare with and been in with or directed and go oh I miss these voices. I miss this so much. Um, and now I just want to do a Shakespeare. I am not doing a Shakespeare, but I really want to. Mm-hmm. We'll see. One day we'll, we'll get to yes. do it again. Yeah. Somebody will call me and say, hey, nobody in the area directs Shakespeare anymore. We hear you do. Be like, Revive right. beautiful kids. What? What? Who what? said that? I don't know. Where did that come from? I didn't Hello? hear anything. Paris? Hello? Was it Paris? I think it was Paris. Paris has a vested interest he is named for a Shakespeare character. Is Paris named for Paris from Romeo and Juliet or Paris from Rosalind? Those are two very different Paris. They are very different Parises. Paris is named for the version of Paris from my playground, Romeo and Juliet. Okay. Um, right. Who was portrayed by Eli Marks, who okay. also played Gonzalo in our version of The Tempest that you just saw. And who, to this day, has the best two physical 
improv choices I've ever seen a student make, both from this production. Do tell. So we were supposed to have a geodome as part of our set. This was right. the plan from the beginning. And then I remember. Like, shipping delays kept happening, and we kept not having a geodome, and we didn't get the geodome until the final performance. It was very sad to me. Uh, but the final performance, the kids like finally did the show the way they had always intended to because they finally had this geodome. Sure. And the scene where Paris is pursuing Juliet and trying to woo her and Eli tangled his legs all up in the geodome and was trying to still like follow her and and was like flopping backwards off the geodome. And that was hysterically funny. And then at one point where the nurse is trying to convince Juliet, like, no, Paris is a good match. She'll make a good husband for you. See, look at him. He's being fine and upstanding over there. And the only direction I had given Eli was when you are indicated, I want you to be doing something that that contradicts what the nurse is saying about you. Sure, I want yes. you to be doing something. Let it be absurd. Yeah, be absurd. And what this child chose to do. Mm-hmm. So our apothecary was selling illicit contraband items out of his lunchbox. Like you do. Right. And one of those things was uh, silly bands. Right. And so somebody had looped all the silly bands together into like long spaghetti strands. Great. And Eli got a hold of those. He got a hold of a Frisbee. And he got a hold of two recorders from the roving recorder gang. And when he was indicated in that moment, he was eating rubber band spaghetti from a Frisbee plate with recorder chopsticks. Delightful. Hey, Cassie, we had to go a long way to get to recorder spaghetti, and I'm here for it. Thank you. I have a picture. I did make that one of our production photos because... Of course you would. I needed it to be. You need it. And that, I think, is the Paris that our Paris is named after. Recorder Spaghetti Paris. But soft, what light Driando window breaks. It is Paris with a plate full of spaghetti. Delightful. This yes. is why This is why we continue to do Shakespeare and why Shakespeare should not be taken so dang seriously. Exactly. And also exactly. why we continue to work with children. <laughs> <laughs> because as an adult, I could never have come up with that. No, absolutely not. Like absolutely the wackiest not. thing I could have come up with for him to be doing if I'd had to give him something like actual to do would be like, I don't know, try and do a handstand or something. You know, something yeah, that was like yeah. minimally wacky, but like, eh, but by giving this child freedom. Yes. Make a choice. Make a strong choice. It was the strongest of choices. The strongest of choices. Yes. This is why we work with children. I'm not going to lie, though. I'm kind of enjoying doing a show without children. That's fair. That's valid, I think. I had forgotten that you could do that. (laughs) That you could do a show without children? Any show? I had forgotten that that was an option. So that'll do it for us this time around. You can find us on Patreon at Ghostlight Media. Um, all the other fine shows on the Ghostlight Media network. Uh, shows like Imprinted Echoes. 
which uh, Zan runs and just does a heck of a job on. Follow us on Twitter at By the Ghost Light Pod, and uh, t- you can talk to us on Discord as well if you join our Patreon and tell us what the next revival in Broadway is going to be because we're in a season of revivals right now. We sure are. I know. I would like to see the producers revived. So we have a reason for the Nazis. This has been a chaotic episode, but here we are, and we're done now. So that's all for us. Thanks for listening. I'm Ryan. I'm Cassie. And join us next time. This has been a Ghostlight Media production.